Hello and welcome to Property Money Trees, Maximising Property Values, the once a month show where I break down the steps of how to recognise, enhance and then extract the values in property in order to create wealth. Would you like to find out how you can benefit from the steps of maximising property values? This is even if you don't own a property yet or have a deposit. If that's a yes, then you're in the right place to find out. My name is Patricia Ogunfaber, and although many know me for my work as a solicitor, on this show you will be getting the benefit of my 30 plus years worth of experience of maximising property values, experience which has given me a net worth in millions. So who might benefit from listening to this show? Literally anyone with an interest in creating property wealth. So welcome back. A few weeks ago in one of the rooms that I was in, we started to look at short leases as a strategy in growing a property business. And we promised to do a deep dive a couple of weeks later. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend that particular deep dive. And a couple of people have reached out to me and asked me if I could do a podcast on it. So this podcast is doing just that. So let me start from the very, very beginning. What is a leasehold? What is a freehold? So let me try and give some examples. If you buy a house and you don't have to pay any rent to anybody, then that is a freehold house. If you buy a house, but you still have to pay a certain amount of rent to someone every year, so it could be um, £100 a year, it could be £200 a year, it could be 500 it could be 1000 you know, whatever the amount is, then that is a leasehold house. So you can have houses that are freehold houses, and you can have houses that are leasehold houses. In the um, kind of like south of England, it's very unusual to find leasehold houses, but in the north, they are a bit more prevalent. Then you also have flats. So if you think about a block of flats, let's say three flats on each floor, and you've got two floors, so you've got six flats all together in the building, they have to coexist because some flats are going to be above other flats and you don't really want a situation whereby some people are taking advantage of others or the rights of some people are not being respected so for that kind of scenario you'd have a document that would set out the precise rights and obligations of each person who owns you know those those flats so that document is called a lease so the flats would be leasehold flats well you can also have freehold flats but in the main flats are leasehold flats so when might you have a freehold flat so let's take a house for example so you've got a house let's say you convert it into two flats you sell one of the flats so you create a lease for the flat that you're about to sell you sell it off but you don't create a lease for the remaining flat which you are retaining 
Now that flat is actually a freehold flat because the only legal title that relates to it is the freehold and it's a flat. So those in the main are the types of freeholds and leasehold properties that you can have. So if you have a leasehold property, you would be given the right to occupy that particular property in accordance with the rights and obligations in the lease document in the lease. So the lease document is actually just called a lease and those rights and obligations will exist for a certain number of years. So way back, um, you know, a few years ago, I guess, most leases were only granted by the freeholder for 99 years. But these days it's more common to find leases being granted for 125 years and sometimes even, you know, longer than that. So if you are buying a leasehold property and you are the first person to actually buy that leasehold, there's a certain amount of negotiation that you can enter into. Some things you might not be able to get changed, but some things you might be able to. Anyway, um, but if you are buying a leasehold property from somebody else, you can't effectively change the terms of the lease. So let us take, for example, a lease, let's say a flat, a leasehold flat um, that was granted for 99 years. And let's say it was sold for £100,000. So that's the, the £100,000 is called the premium. And then the ground rent, that's the amount that's payable every year, is called the rent. So this flat is worth £100,000 when it's granted and it's granted for 99 years. So you can then imagine if you live in that flat for 50 years, so the flat then only has another 49 years to go its value is going to be quite different to the £100,000 that you paid for it up front. This is assuming that prices haven't gone up. So let's just make that assumption. Now, what then happens is that if you had a mortgage on that flat, your mortgage company is not going to be too happy because they are now holding security to a property which is depreciating. So they're not happy about that. And then if you want to remortgage as well, you know, a lot of mortgage companies are not too happy to take on, you know, leases that are you're quite low. The government has proposed it's going to actually reform like leaseholds um, in England. Um, and we are waiting with bated breath as to what is actually going to happen. But in the meantime, so this podcast is literally going to be talking about things as they are as of today. So this is, where are we? August 2021. As the law currently stands, you can apply to your freeholder. So the freeholder is the person who actually owns the land on which the leasehold property um, sits. So, you know, the freeholder is the person who collects the annual ground rents 
you know, from all the leaseholders. And, you know, again, the freeholder will have obligations to maintain the, the structure of the building and so on and so forth. And to make sure that, you know, each party, you know, in the example of flats, respects other people's rights and things, you know, like that. So that is the freeholder. If you then um, decide that your the value of your property is going down, you might have, well, you would have the right to approach the freeholder and ask for your lease term to be extended. Now, you can do this formally or you can do it informally. Now, in an, an informal lease extension is where the leaseholder approaches the freeholder and they negotiate the terms and they set up their agreement, usually through a solicitor, and then it's done. So the formal procedure is the procedure which is stipulated in the Leasehold Reform Housing and Urban Development Act of 1993. So... In section 42 of this act, the leaseholder is given an automatic right to, to extend the lease by 90 years at a peppercorn rent. So going forward, the ground rent literally goes down to nil. So a peppercorn is, if you think about black peppers, uh, and and the peppercorns there that is a peppercorn how much is one peppercorn worth not very much and so what tends to happen is for peppercorn um, rent situations th the payment of the peppercorn is usually waived however not everyone can avail themselves of the procedure in section 42 because section 42 notices can only be um served on the freeholder so this is a procedure whereby you start the negotiations to extend the lease um, and they can only be served on the freeholder by a leaseholder who has owned that property for at least two years now that isn't quite the end of the story because if somebody else is an agent of sorts of the leaseholder then as long as the leaseholder kind of like has owned the property for at least two years, then they can also serve a valid section 42 notice. So an example would be an insolvency practitioner. So where um, a leaseholder, say like bought the flat for um, business purposes, buy to let purposes, and they had the flat repossessed, an insolvency practitioner would be appointed in order to get the mortgagee's money back and that insolvency practitioner would be able to serve a valid section 42 notice as long as the leaseholder who's being re whose property is being repossessed owned it for at least two years again it's the same with you know a trustee in bankruptcy same with um, an executor if somebody dies and so on and so forth. The question really is whether or not, you know, that person is acting as the agent or, you know, the legal agent of the leaseholder. So section 42 notices, if somebody's only been there for one year, they cannot serve a section 42 notice. 
and section 42 notices are very very technical honestly it's 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 not worth trying to do it yourself unless you have the experience even you know myself being legally qualified i don't do my section 42 notices myself i have a solicitor who does them to my mind every day and i pay him to do mine for me even though I'm sure that if I were to try and do it, I'd probably get it right, but I don't want to take that chance. I never have taken that chance and I don't see myself taking that chance going forward. So once the section 42 notice is served, it will state how much money you want to pay in order to extend the lease. Um, you would also have to state that the ground rent is going to be uh, henceforth a peppercorn if there are any other terms of the lease that you're not happy about then you'd have to state what you want you know what changes you want to have made doesn't mean that you're going to get them and again it, it could just be down to negotiation but you have to state it in this section 42 notice so and those are some of like the things that have to be in there there are some other technical things that have to be in there you know the property you know the leaseholder blah 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 blah. they're all very technical that is why a solicitor should really be doing this for you because if you get any of these things wrong your notice will be invalid and then you go away and you cannot serve another notice for another year so it's very important that you actually get this rise, particularly if you're looking to flip the property or the value is diminishing so quickly over the period of, say, like, you know, a year. So if you've got a lease, say, for instance, that is, let's say, 50, 50 years, a year is going to make an absolute massive difference if you can't, you know, renew um, so it, it's those kind of scenarios. Another thing as well is um, you can only really kind of like use a section 42 notice if the original lease was for more than 21 years. It wasn't a commercial uh, or business property. And, you know, there are some other technicalities as well that your solicitor will make sure that um, you... Um, kind of like fulfill before the notice is served now once the notice is served the freeholder will then have um, a period of two months within which to come back to you now their reply to your section 42 notice is called a section 45 notice now in this section 45 notice they can reject your section 42 um, offer or they can accept it subject to negotiation now, if they reject your offer and they don't give any reasons, oh gosh, you're home and dry. You just apply to the first tier tribunal and you get a vesting order and your lease will be extended on the terms that you put into your section 42 notice. So it's very unlikely that you're going to get a freeholder who is going to reject without giving any reasons because they're going to be, or they ought to be represented by a solicitor who knows what they're doing and all solicitors know that that is just a no-no. Now, some people, and I remember when I first kind of like, you know, found out about, you know, this section 42 um, notice business, and I just thought, well, why not just put in that you're offering, let's say, a thousand pounds? Now, you really wouldn't do that because if the premium that you offer is 
ridiculous or the tribunal finds it to be ridiculous, it's tantamount to you not having served a section 42 notice. So you definitely don't want to do that. Whatever amount you put in there has to be a reasonable amount. It doesn't have to be the exact amount and it can be less than what, you know, the parties eventually agree upon. But what you don't want it to be is an unreasonable amount. So that's your section 40, 42 notice and your section 45 notice. Now, the parties will then go into negotiation if if the section 45 notice is saying, OK, we'll, we'll accept the notice, but we disagree with the amount of the premium that's been stated in the section 42 notice. And the leaseholder then has another six months within which to conclude um, the negotiations or to lodge some sort of um, application in the first tier tribunal. Now, the first tier tribunal is there to help the parties determine things like the premiums and the terms of the new lease and blah, 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 all of those things. So if the parties just cannot agree, that is what happens. If the parties, however, agree, then the leaseholder immediately um, should pay um, an amount of money. Usually it's 10%. Um, but that should have been normally asked for on the acceptance of the uh, Section 42 notice. So when the um, freeholder serves a Section 45 um, notice um, is usually where that can be asked for. Otherwise, the parties proceed to completion and um, the premium is paid as well as legal fees and all whatnot. And then the new lease is registered. It's lodged at the land registry just to prove that the lease, the original lease, has now been extended by 90 years at a peppercorn rent. The leaseholder is always responsible for the freeholders' reasonable professional costs of the, the leaseholder having made the Section 42 notice. And these are usually solicitor's fees and um, uh, RICS uh, surveyor's fees. So both parties will actually have these in the formal context that we are talking about. So the leaseholder, before serving their Section 42 notice, will get their RICS surveyor to value the, the, you know, the lease, the property, and tell the leaseholder how much premium they should expect to pay in order to extend the lease by these 90 years. Um, so that will happen. And what the surveyors do is they will normally give you a range. So they will say you should expect to um, pay between, let's say, £5,000 and, you know, £10,000 or, you know, something like that. Um, and then you'll have your own solicitors, so you'll have to pay your own solicitors' fees. But then you also, as a leaseholder, have to pay the freeholders, solicitors and surveyors' fees as long as they are reasonable. Now, quite often, uh, you, le reasonable legal fees can be about 750 and reasonable surveyor fees in a similar amount. 
Now, if the parties don't agree, each party just kind of like bears their own costs. Um, so all the negotiations and things do not necessarily fall onto the leaseholder because the freeholders, solicitors, would have said, you know, at the outset how much their fees are going to be. So that's all good. Now, if the leaseholder then decides to lodge an application in the tribunal, again, it doesn't increase, you know, the legal fees and all the surveyor fees that would have been agreed upfront. So it's 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 a good way to actually put pressure onto freeholders because whatever happens, you are not you know, incurring those costs. They are bearing, you know, the costs of defending you know, their premium that they would have put in their section 45 notice if they're not agreeing with you know what the leaseholder has proposed um the, so when they say you know we want a bit more and you say well actually no that's a bit too high so the surveyors actually normally negotiate the uh, premium and if they can't agree then each party actually bears their own costs of going forward so you know a freeholder a commercial freeholder or a commercial minded freeholder will say to themselves okay how much extra am i paying in solicitors fees and surveyors fees and how much how much are we actually arguing about so it's those kind of things um so why would anybody want to buy a short leasehold oh no before i actually go there let me then talk about um the length of the leases so as the law currently stands any lease which has 80 years or more to run the law says that the marriage value is to be zero nil but if the length of the lease is less than 80 years then you have to share the marriage value with the freeholder the marriage value is the difference between the value of the lease when it's extended and the value of the lease as it is before extension and let's say the lease is going to go up in value by 20,000 then 10,000 pounds of that 20,000 will go to the freeholder and the other half will be the benefit that the leaseholder will have um, the other thing that goes into the calculation of the premium is the loss of ground rent by the freeholder so if you consider a lease where the ground rent is 250 pounds a year and there's still another 50 years for that um, lease to run before it expires because say you don't do anything you don't extend the lease and the lease expires the freeholder then just takes back control of that property and they can grant another lease to somebody else and take another premium on it. When you extend your lease formally and the law says your ground rent then becomes a peppercorn, the freeholder is therefore losing that £250 for the remainder 50 years of the lease. Now, then they use um, certain like, you know, insurance calculations to find out the value of all of those things if you were to get that money today. And that is added to the marriage value and that gives you your premium more or less. 
um, there are certain other factors that go into the calculation of the premium, which is why, you know, there's no real specific amount um, that goes into it. But it's usually, you know, the ground rent and the value of the property today and the value of the property with the extra 90 years at a, uh, gra a ground rent of a peppercorn. But the, the value in these things is that when you are extending a lease, there can still be an amount of money that you gain over and above all of those calculations. So that's the first thing. And if you've got a really, really good surveyor and the freeholder doesn't, that amount of money, like the difference, I think of it as like being arbitrage, that difference can actually be a fair amount. Um, the other thing with um, uh, short leases is that quite often anyone who allows their lease to get that short doesn't really doesn't care too much about their property. So chances are it's also going to be in a slightly rundown state. So there could also be an opportunity there for you to buy and refurbish and then refinance. So the short leases, you know, they can be quite attractive um, if you kind of like know what you're doing and you buy the right thing. So let me give an example. Um, I bought with a joint venture partner in 2020 a short lease. It was 65 years, so it was less than 80. The marriage value had already kicked in. Um, and we bought it for £200,150. And when we did all the works that we were doing to it, um, it was valued at £375,000 by an estate agent, I have to admit. Um, so it, you can just see what you might be able to get, you know, from, you know, buying a short lease. But it's not all short leases that can, that, that will deliver that kind of value to you you still need to be able to, you know, apply all the principles of maximizing property values. So you recognize it, um, you know what you're gonna be doing with it, you know, you know how you're gonna secure it so that you can then get, you know, the money out, you can make money from it, you know how to enhance the value, and then you know exactly what you're gonna do in order to exploit that particular property. You know, those are the four steps of maximizing property values. And as long as you know them and you master them, doesn't matter what you call them, then you are on the right track to actually make some really good money um, from these short leases. So I prefer the formal route because it doesn't matter what the freeholder thinks there is a set procedure you are guaranteed 90 years at a peppercorn rent end of now if you go down the informal route it allows the freeholder to kind of like twist your arm a bit you know i've seen some lease extensions where you know i've literally just felt like banging my head against a brick wall because i've thought who on earth agreed to this why would they do that and these you know i mean no disrespect to anyone these are usually lease extensions which are negotiated by people who are not legally qualified um yeah they agree the lease terms they agree the premium and yet in all honesty they're not equipped to do 
either of those things but they do and they're out there and they do this and this is how they make their living but they're doing such a disservice to the people that they're actually representing it's oh, it's such a shame anyway um so this is like an introduction to short leases so this month i've done a deep dive into the literally the theory of lease extensions looking particularly at the formal route as opposed to the informal route and as very distinct to what may or may not be in the leasehold reform um, um, things that the government is working on and next month I'm going to be looking at the practical side of things so how you use lease-advice.org.uk how you instruct a RICS um, surveyor how you instruct your solicitor what sort of like you know things you might look for I'll look at the example that I mentioned I'll look at that in detail so that you can actually see that I'll compare it to some other examples as well I'll talk about some of the mistakes that people have made you know opportunities that they've missed when they've been you know kind of like you know extending their leases but doing it um informally all of those things i'll look at some of the mortgage companies that don't actually mind taking on short leases um but as you would expect they do charge a premium for this service so i'll kind of like look at the practical side of things next month thank you for joining me today and I hope that at the very least, you have found the talk thought provoking. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe. In any event, please do rate and review the episode because it would be great to read your feedback. Thank you very much and hopefully see you next month.